When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Super Coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Well, a lot has happened in such a short time for, uh, from when we last recorded to now. I'm your host, Jesse Whisperer. You are listening to the Dual Position Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Brew. Mate, Christmas season's here. Uh, pretty, pretty good time of the year. Presents under the tree and Team Picker has just launched. How good? Yeah, early Christmas present for us all. And uh, God, it's been a busy week. Don't know about you up there, but it is hot as balls in Sydney right now. Oh, uh, yeah. So I've got the fan on. I've got a cold drink. Uh, and I'm ready to talk some football. Unfortunately, in Newcastle, mate, there's uh, worse, <laughs> worse things going on right now than than the heat. Um, yeah, t- tough times, Ooh. tough times for the Newcastle community. But Team Picker, as I said, it's here. Uh, it'll take all the pain away. I've pulled apart my side about 100 times in the week that it's been opened. We had a couple of early price drops. Uh, a few cryptic tweets from Tom Sangster revealed a little bit of the Broncos side. And then obviously the big news, uh, I think it was Tuesday last week, that, that all the prices had dropped and, and Tommy Turbo broke the internet. And since that time, I think it's been made pretty clear that, that going Turbo seems to be the pod route. You and I, uh, basically the, pod, the, the aim of the podcast today is we're going to go over our initial sides uh, it's a bit of a, a guideline for people that are looking, but uh, yeah, no spoilers that Turbo does not feature in yours or my side. No, I can't. I can't spend that much on one player at the cost of uh, the rest of my team. So um, unless you know an abundance of cheapies comes about and it becomes an option, or he absolutely destroys the preseason, uh, and you know one of these guys like a. Pappenhausen, Tedesco, etc., is in doubt for round one. I can't see a world where I start with Tom Trebojevic, and that's, uh, that hurts me on the inside to say. Well, let's take a look at, at the sides initially. We'll, we'll look at mine to start with. Uh, as I posted on Instagram last year, after a poor season, the Eisenhoos did sack me. So I am still looking for, for a club to, to take me under the wing for next year. But basically, this is what the side is looking like now for you guys on YouTube watching. Um, you can see it listed out. For people listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, we'll read it out so you can follow along. But yeah, no, no surprise, mate. I am the number one ticket holder on the Harry Grant train. He is uh, there front and centre. We'll be missing round one. Not ideal. Like in, in a perfect world, Grant plays. But 644k, I still think there's some value there. We know just how good he is and this Brandon Smith situation. Who knows what's going to happen? And and paired with him, uh, I think a lot of people are going to have Aaron Booth there as well. Um, what are we thinking, I guess, with Grant? I know he's out round one, which isn't great, but moving forward, like, shortly set and forget. Yeah. Um, look, if Grant was available in round one, uh, he would be in my team. Uh, I haven't gone that route because he's not available. Um, Booth, as you said, at this early in the preseason, uh, we don't really know. Uh, we hope. Um, so until we know anything else, Booth's just going to sit there uh, in my second hooker slot as well. Um, and hopefully he gets that gig so we don't have to shuffle our uh, decks too much. I guess for people looking at my side here as well, listing along, um, I also have $110,000 left in the kitty. So there can be some upgrades and downgrades made uh, where we need to. But moving to the front row, uh, Payne Haas, staple. Less than 600K, he didn't have a great start to the season. The first sort of 16, 17 rounds off the top of my head. I don't think he he played phenomenally, but once he got those minutes back under his belt, he was a beast. The only worry with Payne Haas is he did suffer that syndesmosis injury in the last round of the season, but syndesmosis is no real long-term effects moving forward. So Payne Haas is there. And another man, Paul Vaughan. Now, Paul Vaughan, staple of a lot of Supercoach sides probably five years ago, but... I think there's a little bit of value there at less than 500k. What are we What are we thinking with with Big Vaughny at, at the Dogs? Um, I said to you off air that I don't mind Vaughn as long as he uh, is starting. Um, front row 
at the moment is a really difficult spot and it's the only real spot that's been causing any type of change to my side. Um, if he does start, uh, he's shown before that he can bust out a good 55 to 65 average just in his work rate. Um, that dog side looks like it's going to be a pretty good side next year. Um, so there could be maybe a return uh, to the try scoring Paul Vaughan that you referenced from four or five years ago um, that we all love to own. I don't mind it. Um, and for now, given that we don't know much um, this early in the preseason, uh, I certainly don't object to it. The popular and probably cheaper option is Stefano Utoya Kamanu, and, and I'll let you talk about him when we look at your side, but a, pr- a pretty easy downgrade if, if I don't like Vaughan moving forward. I don't know. I just think yeah. I think he's got a lot to prove. Obviously, the, the Dragons ended pretty um, awful last year like with, with how it ended with him and Paul Vaughan's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Paul Vaughan is, is a quality front row forward. So, hopefully, in the new system, he looks good. On the bench, mate, I've got George Burgess and Andrew Fafita. Andrew Fafita, I've got, I don't know. It's just, he's 200K and it's Andrew Fafita. I, I've got zero uh, faith that he has any role on this side. As with George Burgess, I've got no idea what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure this is the Burgesses coming back from a, a bloody metal hip. So, <laughs> no idea what's going to happen with those two either. The bench, I think, as a lot of people listening are going to know that. That's going to fluctuate here and there, like when people come out and make themselves known during trials or preseason. Once we get some mail out that these bench guys have improved, we'll obviously stick them in. Uh, moving to the back row now, there's a lot of like good 400 to 550k guys here in this back row option, and um, I've gone pretty mid-range heavy. Uh, the two guns I've got are Tavita Pengai Jr. and Ryan Madison. Pengai is a barrel of. Who knows what? Uh, Maddo, we know that he is just a safe, consistent set of hands. And I'm pretty sure those two feature in your side, Brew, as well. So I'll get your thoughts on Pangai and Madison now. Yeah, I'm really keen on Pangai this year. Uh, Rumoured to be playing on the left edge, which will put him on Matt Burton's side. Uh, it's the same side that you should have Naden and Fox. I think it's going to be their go-to side. Um, we've seen that Pangai is pretty good when he plays on the edge. That obviously means that he should be playing you know, 70 to 80 minutes a game, which is good. Um, can certainly find a try line, loves to push wide into that center slot if the play breaks down as well. So I do expect there probably will be a few tries this year. Um, and yeah, I really liked what I saw from Pangai at the back end of last season when he was playing for Penrith. Uh, I'm hoping that experience has matured him as a player. Um, and his dual position status is handy. There's not actually a lot of guys this year with a dual position status. Um, so, yeah, he's he's locked and loaded into my side. And Ryan Madison, mate, obviously looking absolutely juiced, juiced to the gills in that, in that photo that surfaced a couple of weeks ago. Arms, uh, how about the how about the pipes on him? I don't know if his arms are as big as uh, the Adam Dewey photo. Oh, how good, how good is that Photoshop? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if that's legit, but because um, he looked like John Cena. No, uh, Madison's in my side as well because obviously uh, Papa Lee is going to be leaving. Um, you've got, uh, what's the other fellow's name that's going to the Warriors? Uh, uh, Mental yeah, Blank. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Nia Corey. Nia Corey, thank you. So he's leaving as well. So that's two guys that aren't going to have a future with Parramatta. Uh, you then got Shane, uh, Sean Lane, uh, who. You should know I'm not very high on as a football player. Um, so I just feel like Madison's going to be pretty locked into an 80-minute role. Um, when he plays 80 minutes, we know that he has fantastic base. We know he has huge attacking upside. We know that he can find the try line regularly. Um, so that's why, for me, I think he's priced at unders. I think he's at least on par with Angus Crichton, and you get him for about a 100K discount. So uh, locked and loaded into my side, Ryan Madison. The thing that I like about Maddo is it was pretty evident last year that he was only sort of in Brad Fittler's origin plans due to injury. So barring a disaster to the New South Wales back row, you'd, you'd assume that Maddo uh, missed out on, on origin duty, which is obviously great for Supercoach. Uh, the next man I've got is a Cowboys uh, 2RF, and probably not the man a lot of people are thinking of. Jason Tamalolo doesn't feature in my squad, although there is a lot of talk around him. Oh, I just can't go near big names, and Todd Payton, unfortunately. So as it stands right now, I've chucked in uh, Ruben Cotter in just the hope that he gets the number 13 jersey. I, I really like him at the 13 or even at the 9. Like uh, Probably Reese Robson gets first crack at 9. Uh, but Cotter's got dual position. He's less than 400K. As you and I said, Brew, there's plenty of these guys around that 400K mark that, that we can interchange. And at the moment, I'm sticking with, with Ruben Cotter. Yeah, exactly right. Um, 
there's actually a lot of guys in that kind of 350 to 450 range. So if anyone doesn't like that Ruben Potter pick, don't fire too many shots. Sometimes you plug and play in the preseason. Um, and for now, I don't mind the Ruben Cotter move. Um, if he gets solid minutes, we know he's a talented football player. And at 380, you'd assume that he'd definitely make some type of cash um, at that price. He's also got that dual hooker status, which throughout the year, that that's a very handy dual, um, which I'll talk about when we get to my team. Um, so I don't mind that. Um, yeah. Now, I said for the front row forwards, the bench wasn't really crucial for me here, but I've got half my reserves sitting on the uh, on the bench here for my two RFs. I've got Braden Piacora, who is meant to be an absolute superstar from the from the Broncos. I think he might get a bench spot at 186K, just a, a cash cow. But the other two guys, and one man that I think should be in a lot of teams and going sort of slept on is Liam Martin now. Uh, Kirk Cable exits the building. Liam Martin had a, had a great breakout season last year, got an origin call up, and he's priced at 430K. I really like this. Uh, Kirk Capel played about 60 minutes. Doesn't have a huge base, but Liam Martin loves to get stuck in there. And and him at less than 430K, I am all over it. Yep, absolutely right. Uh, anyone that doesn't pick Liam Martin probably has rocks on their heads. No offense. Uh, he's playing off... He's playing off Nathan Cleary, uh, Nathan Cleary's right hip. We know that Cleary loves to throw that ball and put the edge back rower over. As you said, Capewell did have that that those minutes, 60, 65, pretty regularly. Capewell was a very consistent scorer last year, and he's slutting into that same role. Um, and he's, he's starting at a roughly a similar price to Capewell did last year. Uh, it just doesn't have that dual. So for me that's someone that you can probably play consistently week in, week out in those early rounds where, you know, you're just looking for that guy that might plug out a 50 or a 60 um, and he should make some cash too. And he plays for arguably the best team in the comp. So lock that in for me. Did you wake up, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed today, mate? You are taking, taking shots at, at everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know. I know that you love this last pick. You love him as a bloke. You love him as, as everything. And it, it's Jack Devellin at 481 K. Locked in probably for the 13 jersey at the Dragons. Uh, they relied on him heavily when he came back from being lifted uh, from that suspension. In all seriousness, I brew, brew is not a fan of Jack DeBellin as a person. But as a supercoach prospect, mate, are we liking JDB playing 13 under 500k? Uh, he's a good option. I can't talk up a guy like Liam Martin and not recognise that DeBellin's also at a very good price and playing at lock. Um, so for those who... Are open to it. They can pick him. I, for one, I'm going to stick to my morals and not pick Jack Bellin anytime this season. That's going to round up the forwards. So basically, we've got Booth, Grant, and Hooker, Haas, Vaughan, Burgess for feeder uh, at the front row spot. To RF, Pangai, Madison, Cotter, DeBellin, Martin, and Pierre Cora as my pigs moving forward. For the backs, mate, uh, you and I, we spoke about him heavily, about how good their draw is. Uh, I'm just going to pull up the draw now as well. And for the New Zealand Warriors, as we can see here, round one, the Dragons, round two, the Titans, round three, the Tigers, round four, the Broncos, round five, the Cowboys. Gets a little bit dicey in six and seven. Then it sort of opens a little bit back up with the Raiders, Cronulla, and South to take us to Magic Round. The Warriors, mate, and uh, as I said, we we spoke about Sean Johnson, and, and he is priced at, at 462k, round about where, where I sort of saw him sitting at. Never really clicked too well at Cronulla, but you'd think going back home to the Warriors and, and just all that excitement around him. I'm not confident he goal kicks with the, the issues of the injury that he has to the lower half of his body, but I still think he can do a solid job and he is dual, which is handy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, uh, look, he was actually in my first draft. What we're going to go through today ended up being my second draft. Um, and he was in it that whole period of time. The only reason I did take him out is because when I thought about it and I thought who are the guys competing to play beside him in the halves, I think one of those guys will kick um, given, you know, that he's coming back from multiple serious leg injuries over a long period of time. It, it only makes sense if I was the coach, uh, I wouldn't have him goal kicking. If he didn't have to goal kick, I'd be protecting my main man. Um, but the drawer is very soft. Um 
and there is the potential that he could get you off to a good start. So I don't hate the move at all. Um, I decided to to switch him out just this morning, actually. Um, but I certainly don't hate it because I've had him since Team Picker opened. So I've had him for over a week. Now, the next man, Jackson Hastings at 350K. I was very surprised to see him at 350. I think a lot of people would have penciled him in for around that John Bateman price. Uh, at about 400, 420 thereabouts. So to get Hastings at 350, another dual option as well. In fact, all my halves, all four of them are dual eligible. So Hastings at 350, we don't know what's going to happen. I think when he was in the NRL a couple of years ago, he may have averaged about 51 from memory, uh, but obviously a little bit more mature. Although the Tigers are nowhere near what the Roosters are, you think he has a little bit more responsibility while Adam Dewey is out. And then who knows what's going to happen with him moving forward. But I think at 350, it's just too much to pass up personally. Yeah, when you played for the Roosters, they were, they were going through that little lull that they had. Um, obviously, they dominated in the early noughties and the late teens as well. Um, but they did have a couple of rough years in the middle, and that's when he was there. Um, so I don't know if that's because he was there or if he was just unlucky that he wasn't with the dominant Roosters side of the last decade. Um, his price is wonderful. 350 is a steal. Um and he is dual. Uh, Tigers have a good draw. So everything he ticks all the boxes um, to be a very good player uh, and a very good prospect this season. You mentioned that Tigers draw, mate. I'll bring up that draw again. For the Tigers, they start off with Melbourne in round one. Uh, not ideal, but Melbourne without the cheese, Melbourne without Munster, and Melbourne without Grant. So I guess some positives to take out That's of there. That's when you want to play him. Yeah, no Tui Kamikamika at the moment. No Nelson Ask for Solomona. So... Look, like, it could be worse fixtures. We then got the Tigers uh, playing the Newcastle, then they're playing the Warriors, and they're playing the Titans, and they're playing the Sharks. So not a bad first of five rounds. But basically, when it comes to Hastings, I just like the price. I, I penciled him in about four. If he was four hundred, I still take him. So at three fifty, I'm definitely all over it. And the next man, the first five eighth on my list, is a little bit more expensive than what I ideally wanted to start with, but. Look, I pencil, him in, I pencil him in for around 500 with the injury that he had last year. And I justified myself picking him because I saved the extra money with Hastings. And that is Luke Keary. I've spoken him up tremendously. We just saw what he did the first two rounds, uh, what he did last year, him pairing up with, with Teddy. They, they were breathtaking. And then obviously Keary went down. Another big positive is that New South Wales won the Origin Series last year with, with the Penrith combination. So uh, although I think Keary should be playing Origin, I don't see Freddie Fittler splitting it up too much as well. I think Kiri, Kiri might just sort of slip by that origin setup. Uh, I think they'll pick the team on four. Um, so whoever's winning the shootout between Luai um, and Kiri will probably get the get the jersey at the time. Um, we don't have crystal ball. So at this stage, I'm not picking my 5.8s based on origin. Uh, it could be either one of them. Um, but all the reasons you said, uh, he is a fantastic option. Uh, he's had a lot of time to recover. Uh, he missed the majority of last season um, and the Roosters it's not a fantastic early draw, but then they go through a long run um, of, of good prospects. So um, we know he has huge upside. He does have that low floor. Um, hopefully we don't see too much of that. Uh, he's someone I'm heavily considering. The thing is though, as well, like we'll touch on another forward that has an ACL injury in your side, but, I'm not too concerned about the ACL, the ACL injury from a back, from a half especially. Like, Kiri is not this dominating 5'8 that's going to make these gut-busting runs up the middle. He's not a Cameron Munster-type player. He is someone that's going to methodically pick you apart, like, through the line. And he, if he only has to take the ball to the line and then dump it off to Teddy, I think that's far better than, than making 50 tackles a game and 15 hit-ups. So, like, people are worried about the injuries, but as a 5'8", as a I think that it's going to be okay as well, personally. And the second 5'8 on my list, the highest-owned player, I think, uh, in, in Supercoach, I think the, the guys released that he was owned by nearly 40% of the teams, uh, which is Lachlan Ilias. Not a whole lot to say here. He'll start seven for Souths, 205k dual position, not much more we can really touch on with him. No, goes without saying. Bottom, near, near bottom dollar half, playing for one of the top sides in the comp. Easy done. Now, centre wing. This is. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot that we could sort of do here. We could. We could spend the money. We can go Brian Tyro at 800k, set and forget all season long. 
we could go bottom dollar. And that crashed and burned last year with the guys like Staines and Fusatua, etc. Simonson. But I've gone for a little bit of a mix. I've got one somewhat premium and then a couple of like less than 300k guys. First centre wing, Katoni Staggs. I just like the price at 430k. I just see the Broncos becoming better next season. And Katoni Staggs has a full preseason, hopefully avoids injury. Uh, avoids putting people's toes in his mouth. Uh, really, really do like Tony Staggs at 430k. Yeah, absolutely. We know he's got huge attacking upside at 430. He's a steal if he goes back to his 60 plus average. So he's also in my side. I also like that he has a competent halfback now as well. Uh, no disrespect to Gamble, Croft, Milford, Kelly, um, whoever else they've played there over the years. But Adam Reynolds, you'd think, would square up the attack and, and get teams on the back foot a little bit. And yeah, that should give Staggs all the. I guess, the space that he needs. The, the next man is another English import from the Tigers, Oliver Gildart. I'd be lying if I said I've watched much of his footy, but 280k, most likely going to start. There is huge raps on him. Um, so are we going to get burnt by an English back again? In all, in all honesty, probably most likely, but <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't turn it down just yet. Sign me up for 280. <laughs> exactly. Um, the next man uh, is Will Penis in me, Will Panasini. Um, I, man, he was he was unreal. Like he was dead set phenomenal. The the games that we saw him play last year at two hundred and fifty five k, this is an absolute no brainer for me. I am yeah all over Will Panasini. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, you said it all. Uh, him and a guy that you're probably about to talk about are pretty much guaranteed starting spots in my opinion. Um, and that being the case, being two top sides, I will take that to the bank. Matt Burton, Paul Momorowski, both exit. And Charlie Staines was unfavoured last year by uh, Ivan Cleary for, for the Penrith. So that could open up potentially three spots for this Penrith side. And, yeah, the guy that you're alluding to, Isaac Targo. Uh, I messaged a Penrith friend of mine last year, midway through the season, because I was looking for a dual, like a dual nuff. And I was like, who the hell is this Isaac Targo guy? And, and uh, yeah, I was told to watch out for him. He'll be a stud. And I just sort of put it down to Penrith bias, whatever. But... Yeah, he played great, the opportunity he was given. Um, he was at 287K. He's also dual position 2RF, so that perfect that perfect uh, dual position with the center wing 2RF. Less than 300K if he starts with his Penrith side. Yeah, expect, expect the sky is the moon. And another man that's probably going to get a crack if, if Staines is unfavored is uh, Tyron May's little brother, Talon May. Now, he is a little Brian Toto 2.0. He is a little base stat beast. He played, I think, one game last year, had 48 points, but I think he scored 54 points that game, uh, all in base, or all in base power, sorry, and had like minus six in negative, so I think he finished with 48 points, but yeah, 54 points, pretty much all on the back of runs, tackles, hit-ups, you name it, so little mini toe. Um, Do we see him starting over Staines, or do you think that, that Ivan just goes back to what he knows? I think they're looking at Talon May playing in the 14. Um, Similar to his I brother? I don't think he's – I don't – yeah. I don't think he's going to start on the wing. I think it is going to be Charlie Staines, unfortunately. Um, but in a side like that, when you're performing the way Staines did last year, it won't take too long, in my opinion, if Staines doesn't pick up his game from what he – you know, what his output was last year, that May could take that position – well, that, that was the thing. Like, like May isn't a huge body, but he can get through a lot of work, and, what, and that's what we saw. And, and Cleary favoured a, a man that gets through a little bit more work, and, and when he brought in Brett Naden, or even had Paul Momorowski playing on the wing, I think he likes these guys that can give Toto a little bit of a respite. And, what, and, the, and the short sample size we've seen from Talon May, I, I really like him. If he does get a start, he, he could have a, yeah, a big breakout. He could rise upwards of 450, 500K, move him on. And then you do get into someone like a Brian Toto. Um, so you, you go with the safe hands there. But look, in all my draft sides, I had Toto up until basically this morning. And I just felt there's there's better things I can do with the with the 600K that I free up by going him to uh, Panasini. And then yeah, I can use it elsewhere. The last two guys on my bench is um, Tass from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. No idea who he is. I'll be honest, just a bottom dollar price player that I just need to fill some numbers out. And AJ Kapoa from the Tigers could be fighting with Gildart for a spot. Um, you'd assume it's Ken Mamalo and David Nofaluma on the wings. The centers, who yep. knows what's going to happen? Could be Gildart and Talau, could be Gildart and Kapoa. 
we just have to monitor that one. But yeah, basically, I'm locked in for the first five in Stags, Guildhart, Tago, Penasini, and May. And then the other two are just sort of up in the air. As I said, I've still got 110k to play with, so we can upgrade there. And the four. Won't be Talau. What was that? Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. It won't be Talau. Talau's out till mid season, so there is actually an opportunity for him. Definitely, definitely could could nab that. I think whoever gets that Tiger spot will. Will end up on on my bench. So, and uh, and fullbacks, mate. You and I have talked up this combination basically for the last month and a half. They're not changing. Uh, I don't care. Turbo could come out and score seventeen tries in a trial game, and I'm I'm not picking him. <laughs> it's it's Pappenhausen at Tedesco. Those two will be there for a long, long time in my side. And until shown otherwise, I can't get behind any other combo. Really, people are trying to go Turbo and Jaden Campbell or. Some people are going to go Pappenhausen and Walsh, or, or I just I, I'm just going to spend the money, spend the 1.5 million or whatever it is on Pappenhausen and Tedesco, and uh, yeah, not have a, a, an issue there. Uh, yeah, the extra five six hundred thousand dollars goes an extremely long way on your site, uh, so you might make up points um, elsewhere if you don't pick Turbo. Obviously, Turbo has that really high ceiling, and if he's going to start banging out two fifties to start the season and you captain it, you're going to get a huge advantage. So I'm not knocking Turbo in any way, um, but I really feel like Pappenhausen can come close to Turbo this year, uh, a fit Pappenhausen, and he, as long as he stays fit and doesn't cop any concussions, uh, I think Pappenhausen can come close. Uh, Teddy, with a full-strength Roosters side, will see more try assists, more tries. If he gets those things, we are, he bang, He used to bang out 160s for fun, and he was doing it at the start of the season with these players in the side. So he also has the potential uh, to become a member of that 200 club as well. So I think it's going to be more of an even race this year. And there's also going to be rule changes. And part of me thinks that if there's going to be rule changes, they're going to do something to even this game up. So for now... Pappenhausen Tedesco is locked in for me. Um, they both have a good round one opponent. Hopefully that means that they compete with Turbo round one. Um, their rounds two and three are not easy, but they do both play for two top sides. Both sides could finish first this year. Uh, and then they go on extremely long runs of beautiful. So I can't see myself selling either Pappenhausen or Tedesco if I start the season with them until at least round 10. It's a very, very nervous watch if you don't own Turbo, especially round oh, three. Oh, absolutely. Especially round three against <laughs> against the Bulldogs, and especially round one against No Nathan Cleary and the Panthers. So I'm not for one minute saying that Turbo is a dud. Like, I'm not saying that at all. I just I just feel there is severe aggression on the cards. 143 isn't sustainable. Look at all these, like, phenomenal seasons that we've seen from years gone by. Barber, Haynes, even Tedesco in 2019. Like, their next season, um, probably Teddy is a bad example because he went at an average, like, 90-something, but... Like it just it isn't sustainable. I think Turbo had fifty three try involvements in fifty ga- in fifteen games. It's just not sustainable. Teams are going to do better work. I understand that Turbo is an absolute freak and he'll he'll overcome any kind of coaching uh, change that people make. But like Pappenhausen averaged one hundred and fifteen when he played eighty minutes. So like if Turbo comes back twenty points, he's still going to outscore everyone. Yeah, I understand that. But if I can get Pappenhausen at one hundred and ten average for nearly half the price of what I can get Turbo, I'll wear it. Because I'm Turbo's going to feature in my side eventually, but he won't be featuring in my side for nearly $1.3 million when my cap is only $10 million. So if you go Turbo, I'm not for one minute saying it's a bad move. I just can't. And, and I haven't even attempted to build a side with Turbo in it. I know that you have. And, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? I, I know that people have. I've spoken to some guys and, and they said it's just a nightmare. So for me... I just there's better things I can do with the money than than Turbo. So we'll be death riding him hard on the dual position podcast, especially for the first three <laughs> weeks. Uh, it'll be it'll be the the Turbo watch line come Sunday afternoon. But um, mate, that's my side. That's that's the boys. There's a couple of a big sort of misses there. No Nathan Cleary, no Turbo, as we've discussed. No Cam McInnes, who you are the number one fan of. And there was someone else that I haven't included that I note down. But basically, they're the big three. Let's have a look at your side, mates. All right. So at Hooker, obviously, uh, Booth, as I mentioned earlier, he is a plug and play. He'll be there the entire preseason until we basically get to trials and find out more. Um, Beside him was Cook. um, But I've actually gone for Reid Marnie, and I've gone for Reid Marnie because of the draw. Uh, Rounds four through eight are beautiful. Rounds one and two are good. He does play Melbourne in round three. 
but at a, as a hooker, that doesn't bother me too much because that probably just means that he's going to make 60 tackles. So he won't have the attacking upside in round three, but he'll probably still punch out a really nice base. Uh, so I'm going for a big bounce back from Marnie. Uh, he showed signs of being an absolute gun last year. I know he started this season like a house on fire, and I'm thinking it's more of the same. Uh, 594, uh, I don't mind that price. Um, Cook is, I think, 575. Um, and But the reason I went against Cook is simply because of the round one, he's missing a few blokes. Then he goes Melbourne, Sydney, and Penrith. Um, so that's why I did make the switch, just because that is a real tricky run. Um, and Cook showed last year that he can have the inconsistencies of his scores. You know, he could score 30 or he could score 130. So I'm going to go for Marnie because I think there's going to be a better pure base there, um, which means he's going to have a higher floor. Um, and then at front row forward, um, actually, before we move on, your thoughts on the Marnie pick? Yeah, I, was, I just pulled up the draw before. Um, basically, between the differences of Marnie and Cook, so we look at the Bunnies draw, they got the Broncos, Melbourne, South, Penrith. Not ideal to start the, the year, uh, especially with no Luttrell. And new, tricky. new coach. It's tricky. I am worried with not owning Cook because we saw how devastating he was before Bennett came in. But yeah. but yeah, Cook is no spring chicken. He is getting on in age. So that could be something to, to note. And um, yeah, basically, I, I like Marnie. I think he's a safe set of hands as well. So uh, as, as we pull back up this draw, sorry, I just <coughs> had a couple of, of technical issues. Um, yeah, as, as we pull up this draw, uh, we look at uh, the Eels, who have the Titans, Cronulla, Melbourne, St. George, um, Titans again, Tigers, Newcastle, North Queensland. So the first eight rounds for the Eels are, are very, very good. You'd think with a lot of the off-season noise that they have, there would be a, a bit to discuss. So, yeah, I like money. If you don't have the money to go grant or you're not comfortable sitting with, with that much cash on your pine for round one, money's probably the next best option. But, yeah, what going back to Grant, that's the other thing with money. He's so close in price to uh, Harry Grant that if Harry Grant comes in in round two and absolutely blows the pants off the competition and shows, you know, shows the world, I am the number one hooker in the comp. It's not a hard move. That's the other reason. It's a very close jump. So Marnie should be pretty good top three hooker this year. But if Cook becomes, it's not Cook, sorry. If uh, Grant becomes one of those guys, that's going to average 15 more than everyone else at hooker. It's not a huge jump for me, and I can do it before his price moves. Yeah, I just pulled back, but I just pulled my team back up just so I can have a quick look. So yeah, Grant is six forty four, and Marnie is five ninety four. So what's that? Sixty k, sixty k. So what I would yep. what, I, what I would do is try and swing your team around so you do have sixty k in the bank, and then yeah, you, you basically get a free uh, free two weeks to look at at Marnie, and then you get a free week to look at at Grant. But yeah, I like that because you're going to get. Um, you're going to get the points. You're going to get probably 65 more points than what I will off, off those two positions because yeah. Grant's not playing. And then you're yeah. right. You can you can swing that trade come round two. I'm only thinking basically what we what were going off last year where trades were, were vital. And I just want to try and keep as many up my sleeve as possible. But I really like your, your approach if you can uh, if you can manage to, to find that, that, that funds and you're happy to burn the trade sort of after week one. I don't mind burning them early if it's for the, the yeah. betterment. Because you're going you, you, um, you, you're to you're set your team up for the long haul. And I've, 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 I've always sort of been in that in that opinion. People uh, are very reluctant to trade the first three weeks, but that's the perfect time. You get free looks and you can set your team up for the next sort of four or five weeks moving forward. So, uh, mate, who do we have in your front row? Uh, so, Payne Haas, we already spoke about Payne Haas. He's far and away the best front row forward in the competition. He doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, lock that in. Um, beside him, I went Utakamano. Um, Now, Utakamano was a cheapie from last season. I ended up holding him for the entirety of the season. I think I played him for the last 10 rounds of the season, and he was averaging a good 50, 60-plus over that time period, and that's when he took over the number eight jersey. Um I wouldn't say I'm 100% locked in on this move. Um, I've been toying back and forward between having Pangai, who we discussed earlier, in my front row and trying to get Utakamano up to Angus Crichton or Cam Murray um, just because we know that they're going to have a bit of a higher floor and they're also going to have a higher ceiling. So that's my goal, but I just haven't been able to squeeze the cash at the moment to do that. But for the time being, for what is he, 457K? I don't mind Uta Kamano to bang out a probably a 55 to 60 weekly. Um, 
on in the reserves, uh, and I won't go too heavily into the reserves because, as you said, it's just preseason plug and play. Once we get to the trials, we'll know who we're dealing with. But I've got George Burgess in there too, um, 247. I don't think he starts. If he does, brilliant. Um, I, in theory, what I'm hoping to do is actually have Bullimore there um, from Manly. Uh, I'm hearing that he is really impressing and that there's a chance that he will start this season. Um, I don't know if that's from round one. I don't know if that's, you know, if he comes off the bench and shows himself that he might move in. Um, but he's someone I've got my eye on as a real smoky this year. Um, and then I've got Max King. So we don't know where Max King kind of stands uh, at the Bulldogs yet. We don't know if he's going to be in the 17. Um, we don't know if he's going to be a fringe player that might get some games over the course of the season. My goal is to have a bottom dollar cheapie in that slot. So that's why I've put Max King there. Um Moving into the second row, we've already discussed Madison. Um, love him. Uh, we've discussed Pangai. I'm really keen on him as an X-Factor player. Uh, and we've already discussed Liam Martin. So I'll discuss the other slots. Um, Cameron McInnes. Uh, you and I differ <laughs> on this. We do bang heads on Cameron McInnes. I think he's a steal for 535. He's, um, he's priced at a 61 average. And for me, 60 is going to be roughly the minimum I think that he will average this year. And if I've got a guy shaking, that's averaging I'm sh- I'm 60 sh- until the first bite. I'm shaking my head here, mate. I just, I just, I'm sorry, I just, but I, just I, I know it might be pain for a month, um, but he averaged at the start of last season or at the start of whenever he last played, sorry, he had a really good average before he went down. But he was playing hooker He's, though. That's the thing. Like this, this is my sticking point. He was playing nine. And he was he was doing so many runs out of nine. I just I just worry about his workload at thirteen. I agree with you. He is. I think he's still a, like you're not going to lose money on Cam McInnes. I just don't see this like beautiful ceiling that everyone's seen because he was like so lethal at nine um, compared to what he will be at thirteen. That's just my my little rant on McInnes. And they've re-signed Braley, so I don't really see McInnes playing. Oh, Braley's their hooker. Yeah, There's exactly, no doubt about exactly. that. McInnes is their lock. But I just like his attacking upside. I like his work rate. I like his heart. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think it's been almost, it will be 12 months uh, since his injury. He trains the house down. He will be ready to go. I've already seen training photos of him. He's going to be sweet. He does look, he does look juiced, doesn't he? He's looking, he is looking uh, thick. Mate, he's going to want to impress his new club. You know, give the bird to the dragons for not paying him. And I like it. So he's in my side. I, I don't really expect him to fall out of my side during the preseason barring injury. And I'm just going to, I'm going to ride or die on this hill. Um, the way you've spoken about him, the way you've spoken about him, mate, if you take him out of your side, I'm going to banish you. Yeah, put shit on me yeah. for days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for all season. Um, so yeah, Cameron McInnes, I love the duel as well. If Aaron Booth doesn't become a option, uh, I'm going to flick him up the hooker and hope that I get a cheapie. Um, in the second row or front row that I can move around based on Jules. Um, so there is a little bit of a contingency plan there for me as well. Um, longer term, I'm hoping to add uh, Smith as well, uh, hoping he's not in the bad books too much uh, at the storm. So then I can keep flicking around as required for buys and whatnot. Um, the next slot. Now this really, for now it's Sean Bloor. Um, I believe he's a chance of starting on the right edge. Um, he was penciled in to have that last season. Then he went down injured. Uh, he came in, played small minutes, disappointed early, but he started to show something at the back end of the season. If he starts, he'll be in my side. If he doesn't, you know, my boy Helium um, from last season, I told you. Big, that's his name now for the rest of his days. Big Helium, Helium Lukey. Helium Lukey, yep. That's, I'm, a, I'm uh, a big fan, big fan of, of, of old Hylam. <laughs> Yep, I love him. Um, so he's an option. Um, Bullimore is actually dual as well, so he's an option. There's just there's going to be someone. So if it's not Bloor, it'll be someone around that same price. I do like um, I do like your um your 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 topic of, of Bullimore. So it set my mind, and and I feel like Bullimore could be like last year's Andrew Davy. Now that Andrew Davy crashed and burned, had an injury, but he was like he was one of like the. The Smokies, like the 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 breakout guys, and if if Bullymore's, oh yeah, if Bullymore's getting going to get the minutes, you could easily go like Booth out, McInnes up, Burgess out, Pengai up, Bullymore in, 
and that's, and there's going to be a lot of options. You just need to think about it, and that's why you're, the more you're also you're, you're also you're, you're also begging that Luciano Le Lua punches Madge in the head, uh, like at the end of January, and they just release him to the Cowboys a year early. Oh, but Bloor plays on the right though, doesn't he? I don't think it matters. I think you just got to get Bloor <laughs> in the side. We've been saying that for him for so long. I'm not going to pull apart your, your bench options because, as you said, with mine, like nah. they, they just they shift. But I do like Bloor, especially at, at 259. Like we know. Oh, he's a steal if he yeah, starts. Exactly. So, but if not, I think there's going to be other genuine options. So I'm not too worried about it. You already discussed Pakura. Yeah, 100 percent right. If that bloke gets a start, look out. Um, he'll be this year's cheapie of the year. So, uh, a, if he plays off the bench, he'll still make a bit of cash and he might even earn the spot down the line. He's a freak of a player. So I've got him in. So as it stands right now, Brew's forward pack is Marnie, Booth, Haas, Udakamanu, Burgess, King, uh, Pengai, Madison, McInnes. That's That is a tasty back row with Martin, Bloor and Pierre Cora on the bench. Who do we have in the halves, mate? I'm looking at your halfback and I am loving it. I just didn't have the balls big enough to pull it off. Yeah, look, um, I mentioned about Kiri. Uh, I actually, in my first draft, had Kiri, and then I sat down and thought about and thought, look, it's Walker's jersey now. Uh, I don't think we need to worry about that. He is the seven. Um, he's going to have a full-strength side come round one around him. He is going to be the goal kicker. He's going to have a full preseason and off-season of practicing goals. I'm sure he will get better with the boot. I remember uh, where years ago when we were talking about Latrell Mitchell at centre and, oh, do we pick him because he's a goal kicker? He can't kick, you know, he's terrible. He went out and nailed the kicking that year and, and he kicked, you know, 75, 80% of goals. So these guys that come through as kickers and then they don't kick for a while, et cetera, et cetera. As long as they get a good kicking coach, he'll be fine. If he is fine, the Roosters have a shit ton of points in them. He showed last year that he, he already has a big ceiling when he goes nuts. I think he's only going to get better and better and better. The fact that he's put on that muscle weight is great. Um, so I'm really liking their early draw and I'm really, really tempted to take the punt on him. And at the moment I'm going to do it. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be a fun ride I'd say, the, but the I thing- like his upside. And I think, you know, if he can get off to a flyer, um, he could be a good stepping stone to, you know, bank cash out Elias upgrade Walker, and then I can get Cleary, who's obviously going to cost a fortune. You mentioned a good point there with the goal kicking. I think Ruben Garrick is a prime example. 2019, he was kicking very, very well. 2020, fell off a cliff. 2021, came back. One was one of the best goal kickers in the comp. And that adds so many points, especially on a good side. Um, the thing, oh, I, yeah. The thing I think with Walker is, do I think his ceiling is going to improve? No. I think the younger the halfbacks are, the more ceiling they have. So you look at you guys like Mitch Moses is a prime, prime example. But... Do I think his floor is going to get drastically better? Yes. So I don't think I don't think the 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 massive point scoring game is going to be there. Like he's not going to go off for a two hundred, but I don't no, think no, he's no. I don't think he's going to go off for a seventeen either. So that, and that's the thing. Like the older that these halfbacks get, the less their their ceiling is. But it, it just it 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 uh, compresses the point scoring. So, and as I said, Mitch Moses is the perfect example of that because like three years ago, the conversation was always Moses versus Cleary. Like, who do we take? Because Moses had such a good ceiling. Um, but as he's developed as a halfback, his supercoach game has gotten less friendly, but that means he's also a safer option. And I, I do like Walker. And if uh, the Roosters click with Kiri back in there, Walker's not going to have to do it all. He's going to be able to chime in when he wants to. And we could see him just put on 60 points in the space of, 15 minutes. So I do like the Walker pick. I just didn't have the balls to do it myself. Yeah, look, rounds four through 10, I really like that draw. He's, he might struggle a little bit in two and three, and I'm going to have to try not to get an itchy finger and sell him. But um, round one's a good match. Uh, round four onwards is just juicy as. So I'm going to have to be patient, I think, for round two and three. Um, but otherwise, I really like the move. I'm hoping that I still have the kahunas to to stick with it uh, come, you know, round one. Um Ilias is the guy I've put beside him. We don't need to talk about that. We already discussed it. Um, I want to talk about your five eights though, because yeah, yeah, I thought you might. <laughs> All right, so this is a juicy one. Um, I've actually picked Jerome Luai, um, which will probably be bashed on the internet, and I'll probably hear about it on Twitter, and people will go, "What are you doing?" Oh, well, but, here's, your, here's your platform to defend yourself for the Luai, the Luai pick. So here's my argument. We saw what Luai did the year before last. We saw that he can go bonkers. We saw how he started last season. Then a guy called Matt Burton, who's a halfback for slash 5'8", slotted in at centre, and suddenly the balls that Luai would throw out to 
you know, the winger and get the try assist pass weren't going. They were going one further. And therefore, Matt Burton was either so creative that he'd go through and score himself or Matt Burton would be the one throwing that pass that would become the try assist and a line assist. I think you take that out and you put Stephen Crichton back in at left centre, who's not a very good passer. Suddenly, you're going to go back to the future. You're going to have Clary going to Luai, Luai cutting out Crichton probably and going to Brian Toto. And for me, that means that you're going to go back. You're going to get Luai of old. You're going to get a guy that has a really high ceiling. Um, so that is my reasoning. I don't mind the draw. Manly round one, that doesn't really bother me. Uh, Manly's a very hot and cold side. They could come out and have a stinker and Penrith could put 50 on them. Tom Turbo could go out and have a day and it could be the opposite. We don't know with Manly, so I'm not too worried about that round one game, uh, especially coming off trials. There's no real form. Um but then after that, I pretty much until round nine, like every match, um, the Panthers do play the Roosters, I think, in there. Um, no, they don't. They play them in round 11. Yeah, they play Manly. Uh, Manly? Hold on. Panthers Melbourne. play. Pa- Panthers, Panthers, like the, the tough games that they have, um, are Manly in round one, South in round four, Parramatta in round nine, and Melbourne in round 10. So... Yeah, you've got two two tough matchups, but as you said, Manly could could come out and sort of do anything. Um, so who knows what's going to happen with them? I actually really like Manly. The-, the other thing with Manly too, sorry to cut you off, is even when Manly win, they have points put on them. Oh yeah, it's, so it's, I don't it's think never, it kills never, the halves. It's, it's never a sixteen ten game. It's always 34 30. Yeah, so that's why Manly don't really bother me, and and even South, I'm not too worried about South. I think South are going to not be a bad side and not fall out of the eight side, but I don't think they're going to be a powerhouse defensively. Um, so they don't really bother me too much either. And same with Parramatta, um, especially with how their preseason's going. Maybe they'll come out and show a lot of heart and say, you know, we're not going to be the team that that keeps falling and keeps losing our gun players. But, you know, maybe they go soft and then suddenly, you know, because they're losing their guns, they get a bit, and then they have bad form, which they normally hit mid-season after winning, you know, 10 of the first 12. Speaking of of going soft, um, that was me when I saw the Luai pick. But you've talked me around. I actually I actually do like your reasoning. Um, I guess my only counterpoint is if I told you Cleary was out for a month, does that change your, uh, you saw your Luai pick? Because you, you'd think he's used differently with Cleary out. Uh, yeah, you would think that, oh, I don't know. I, I just have no idea. Yeah, who's definitely, play. he plays better when Cleary's beside him. Who's going to play half? Um, I, I cannot think off the top of my head who's going to play. Who's going to play seven? If Cleary wasn't there, it would be um, the former Rooster. I can't think of who it is. Oh yeah, they yeah. signed. Uh, uh, bloody, I know you're talking about now. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan. That's him. Yeah. I think it is. Um, and he would definitely play seven because he he's not really a six. So. He's no Cleary, but he's, um, he's a decent controller. So yeah. But I'm pretty sure Cleary will be good for round one. I actually like your point. I'm not going to go lower because we need some some difference on this on this show. But yeah, I actually I like that how you defended the lower pick, I, and it makes it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and for the listeners, like it's too early for me to go too deep into statistical stuff to back this up at the moment. Uh, and I might do that when we get closer to the start of the season, back it up with stats, and I'll do some research. But for me, that's a gut call. I think that you cut out Burton, who took out a lot of his points. He's going to go back to being one of the top five eights. And hopefully he can make some cash and I can get Cam Munster, who's probably going to tear it up this season. I hope not because I put my balls on the line and said Cam Munster is what Cam Munster is. Mate, who is your second five eight? I know that you maybe are questioning, okay. questioning this one a little bit. Yeah, so um, I'm not 100% on this. Um, whilst we were... <laughs> Whilst we were setting up the thing, I noticed that I've actually probably made a few mistakes here. Um, and this is why it's good. I, I have a big tracker, guys. It's got my whole team. It's got the draw up until the first buy so that I could see runs of form and I can see runs of tough games. And I've noticed that I've picked a couple of dragons and I'll go through one now I'll and just, I'll go through I'll one up, straight I'll after that. The, I'll pull up that draw now so we can reference it, mate. Yep. And so I picked Junior Mone. Um who I actually really rate as a football player. And I might still pick him because there's still money to be made there despite this draw. Um, But round two, Penrith, round three, Cronulla, who, you know, potentially could be a top four side this year. I don't think so. I think they're probably going to finish probably five to seven, but they've got a good side on paper. Parramatta, South, and then you've got Newcastle, you know, 
which Newcastle is going to turn up this year, we don't know. And then you've got the Sydney Roosters. So that's actually a stinking draw. And then round nine, you've got Melbourne. So I've picked two Dragons players, but looking at that draw, I think the Dragons are going to be sitting last after the first 10 rounds and I might have to actually change it. So Junior Mone is my reserve 5'8", but when we get off this podcast, I'm probably going to have to make a couple of changes. Um, And I'll lead that into my first centre. So my first centre was Sloan, uh, who's going to play fullback this year for the Dragons. I quite liked Sloan last year. Um, He averaged 62 across five games. Having a potentially 60 average player at centre for me was amazing. And that's why I jumped on Sloan. But looking at that draw, I don't think I can do that. Um, but it will free up a problem that I mentioned earlier of how do I get Cameron Murray or Angus Crichton? And I think it's right there. I'll sell Sloan uh, down to one of the cheaper guys, uh, Penasini or so whoever I don't have from the cheap guys at centre. Um, and I think I'll upgrade Udukamano via Pangai and add Murray or Angus. And I'll probably still have a lot of money after that for maybe some other moves. So, um, yeah. This is why it's good to have a tracker, though, because when you look at things holistically and you see things from a longer view, you might notice patterns and go, you know what? He might have a good round for the next two weeks, and then he goes through a shit six weeks. So, you know, what's going to happen? He's going to make a little bit of money, and then he's going to nosedive down the hill. That's, um, and that's exactly what I'm referencing when, when we're pulling this up. Like, uh, behind the curtain, Brew can't see all the, the graphics that I'm doing on my end, but um, every time I keep switching to the tracker, uh, that is the tracker that Brew and I put together. We referenced that when the fixtures came out. Um, I've just got the first 10 weeks up because I don't think there's any need for us to, to look at further. But, um, yeah, for you guys that are wanting to take the game seriously, um, yeah, I, I think getting your fixtures listed out, getting an idea of your, of your potential moves to get one step ahead, I know that um, that's brought me success in, in years gone by. I didn't do it last year because I didn't sort of have the time to do it. But now I've got Brew alongside me. It, it's helped get that visual side of things. And as, as Brew said, like you can look at, you can go on NRL.com and, and look at sort of the draw and sort of sift through there. But if you get it in table form, you can sort of colour code it based on what you think the, the fixture difficulties are and um, and you can go from there. So the, the point that Brew makes, it, it, it's a really good one and, and it does help. Yeah, and, and it can be whatever you want it to be too. I can filter mine so that I look at only my starting side. I can filter it by the buys. I, I've then created another filter where I can look at my buy planning and go, all right, I have let's say eight, I have eight guys for the buy, but of those eight, probably only four of them are actually going to be there in round 13. And that can really help you with your buy planning. Cause when you don't look at it that way, you might go, oh, I've got eight guys for the buy. I'm sweet. And then in round 10, you've only got 10 guys for the buy. Cause you've actually traded, you know, yeah. four of them along the way. And then you go, shit, I don't have this enough. Is obviously some, pr- some pretty high level thinking here when we're in the middle of December. Um, but it is a, it is a good it is a good sort of habit to get into as, as looking further in advance and not making your trades. This this is why Brew had such a great season last year and, and why I sort of didn't have the best season. Brew was looking long term, whereas uh, I was making trades to sort of put put tape over the cracks and cover my ass. So um, yeah, definitely good to get future planning. But um, we've touched on Sloan, mate, four hundred and forty seven k. I'll be honest, I don't like it because of just that awkward price, but. I do like Stags, who you also have here. We, I like Targo, who we've we've mentioned, and, and Guildhart, who I've also mentioned. The bench, though, um, you've got Joe Suwali. Do we think he gets much action? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he starts right wing. Um, so right wing I picked him nice. because yeah. if it's not him, it's probably going to be Billy Smith, and they're pretty much the same price. So it won't make too much of a difference well, to Billy, me. Billy Smith was so parked, I have. He was parked out left centre last year, wasn't he? Correct. Yeah. But if Sawali doesn't play right wing, I think you'll find Momorowski will play right wing and Billy Smith will play left centre. Right. That was my point there. So one of those two is probably going to be in the side. Um I don't think the Fresh Prince will be there. Um, I think he is more of a depth signing. Um, I don't see how he makes him makes himself into that top 17, uh, not without risking losing a player like Suwali. And Momorowski just signed, I think, a three-year deal for semi-decent money. I don't see a world where he, he's going to play Reggie's, um, especially when it's the Roosters. Like They're very smart with the way they make their trades and planning. So for me, Momorowski's locked in. It's just whether he plays right wing or left centre. Um, I will say if he does play left centre, 
I'm quite keen to start the season with him. Um, but until I see that, I'm not going to explore that avenue. Um, that's why I've picked Suwali. Uh, he's bigger. Uh, he'll only get better. He apparently is a freak. We haven't really seen it yet. Um, but for that price, I'm going to pick him and I'm going to start him if he does start on the wing this year. If he starts, his ownership is going to absolutely skyrocket. Oh, to skyrocket, like last year. We saw it last year as well, exactly. Um, Will Penasini, I love this pick as well. Um, and yep. Burbo, you've got you've got the third Trevojevic brother. Not the Trevojevic that I expected to see in this side. <laughs> Look, um, I love I love a duel. And um, I think Burbo might get a chance, more of a chance this season. Um, whether or not that's from round one, I don't know. But, you know, he, he'll probably play a buy at some point in time. Um, it's just a dual bottom dollar option for me for now. Probably not too much to talk about there. And fullbacks, mate, no surprise as to who we've picked? Yeah. Um, Pappenhausen and Tedesco, I love them this year. I think they're going to have massive seasons, really, really massive seasons. Um, there's probably only four, four fullbacks that I really consider at the moment. Uh, these two, Tom Chaboyevic goes without saying, and another man who you're in love with, um, Latrell Mitchell. Latrell, I, if mate, I can, oh, don't get me started on Latrell. <laughs> I I absolutely love him. I just hate that he's out for two weeks. If he was out for a week, I could maybe get behind it. Um, I won't plot the fixture list again because it doesn't do it. Oh, full that's that justice. draw, but that draw again. But oh, I yeah, tell no, you the, what, the first if, four rounds, But I think from like round five to round twenty-two. I think they have like three bad games. If you are a real risk taker, and yeah, only let's say you Mate, didn't want to. I bought Cody. Let's Ram- say there's no I bought turbo. Cody Ramsey last year, so of course I'm a risk taker. Give it to me. Let's say you only pick one of Turbo and uh, sorry, no, one of Pappenhausen and Teddy, and then you pick a Smoky. Let's say a uh, Matt Dufty, for example, first guy I could think of. But I think he's Jayden probably around Campbell, that Reece five Walsh, to six hundred. Kalen Ponga, um, all those guys in that sort of area. Yeah, and you just pick someone purely on a draw for, say, the first month, then you flick him to Mitchell. If you're really risky, that would be an option, um, particularly if that first guy makes a bit of cash and then you jump on Latrell, who goes on a tear because he's goal-kicking and, you know, Souser finding their mojo. It could work. Uh, I played fullback roulette all last season. Um, the only guy that I didn't really rotate was Turbo once he was in. He stayed in. Everyone else rotated. All season long, I probably made 10 trades at fullback. It's idiocy, but it worked. So I don't hate it. I really don't hate it. But for me, this year, I'm going to settle my kettle. Pappy, Teddy, long locked in, Pap- long term. Pappy Unless Pappy Turbo Te- starts scoring 300. Pappy, Teddy, over or under 210 average combined? So that's 105 over. each, basically. Yeah, I'm going over two. I'm smashing. Uh, I'm well, smashing let, in case anyone wants to clip this up later and yeah, throw yeah. it in our faces, pending rule changes, okay? Of if course, they change tries to four points and, you know, <laughs> everything gets cut in half to make it even for the forwards, different story. But if the rules scoring-wise for backs stay pretty much as is this year, I've got Pappenhausen going about 120 and I've got Teddy around 100 to 105. Mate, I'll give you my little bit of two cents. I don't think the rules are getting changed in terms of scoring. I think the prices have been released. It's just going to throw a headache. I think there might be changes to the trades, changes to COVID players, changes to emergencies. I think that's where we're going to go down. I don't see a world where they do change the scoring because I just feel like the prices are set based on the scoring system. Um, I don't see it bringing down. I know that you do. I just I seemed I have an opinion that I think it's going to be more COVID related because we're going to get decimated last year. But someone please clip that up. Uh, the Ryan Pappenhausen 120 because I will 100% vouch for it. I am all over Pappy, mate. Uh, that is your side. I like it. There's some things I change. There's some things you change on mine. But that is the beauty of Supercoach. Uh, for you guys listening, please let me know uh, and let Bruno, whose side you think is better, um, please leave us a five star review on Apple. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a comment, leave us a subscribe, turn the bell on. I think that's what the young hip kids say. Um, yeah, mate, I, I very much appreciate you joining me on this very hot and sweaty uh, Tuesday afternoon. No, sorry, Monday afternoon. I've, it's that hot. I've, I'm going mad. <laughs> uh, just before we go, I just want to say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to all the listeners, to all the football fans out there. Stay safe. Uh, put your mask on if you go to the shops, please. I don't want anyone getting sick. 
And yeah, I hope everyone has a very merry and safe Christmas. Masks on, open your presents, drink lots of beer, uh, spend some time with your family. Uh, obviously, yeah, this year was challenging for a lot of people. Um, so there's no time like Christmas to, to slate all that uh, in all seriousness. So Merry Christmas from the Dual Position Podcast, myself and Brew. And uh, yeah, keep building those sides. For you guys who are sending them to me, I'm going to be brutally honest, I'm not reviewing teams in December. So uh, look cl- close down the line, Brew and I might do something. But uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this longer one, just under an hour. So uh, yeah, mate, thanks. appreciate your time. And uh, as always, no bye for now. Ciao for now, guys. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.